welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Two World Podcast. Uh, I am, as always, I am Barney, and I am joined today with my co-host, and he is... Jacob! And today we are continuing um, with our kind of uh, unofficial theme of um, what inspires us, our passions, our hobbies, um, how we mix in uh, you know, little snippets of enjoyment throughout our days and weeks and with things that aren't necessarily related to work or, or what we what we think that we should be doing, but what we just enjoy doing for a little bit. Um, last week, of course, we talked about um, one of my favorite TV shows with Ken. It was Northern Exposure. And um, this week, we're going to talk about something that is also my hobby. And um, I think, but maybe very much so Jacob's as well. Today, of course, we are talking about video games. Um, I used to say to people that um, I got my first uh, NES when I was seven, but um, I checked and um, that's not true <laughs> because I also remember getting the first NES that it was a sun Chris it was on Christmas and it was a Sunday. And so that really stuck out in my mind because I really wanted to play Nintendo, but we had to go to church. <laughs> so I checked and um, Christmas fell on a Sunday when I was nine. So pretty uh, close. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, when you got back from church and I'm assuming did oh, you yeah. have lunch and then did you hit it? <laughs> and we hard? loaded it back up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what the first game was that you played or the first couple games? Oh yeah. Um, the first set that we had, of course. Um, so this, this was the one that came with um, Mario and Duck Hunt. Ah, wonderful. And Yeah. And then my parents were very kind and they got us um, uh, RC Pro-Am. Oh, and, yes. And also, um, also, I think it was Pitfall Harry. Oh, okay. So yeah, some kind of not, not really mainstream titles, um, but we sincerely, sincerely enjoyed them, all of us. Um, but, but today it's not just limited to Nintendo. Um, before that, um, I don't know how it came about. My my oldest brother managed to get an Atari twenty six hundred that we had, yes. and he even had an Intellivision. Wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just the number pad, and um, Incredible. this when I was young, these things were just a little bit mysterious and a little bit mythical in a way, but just they captivated my imagination. And I just really enjoyed playing video games. Um, that's that. so I was I was younger than than nine for those because um, we had those first. But um, but Jacob, how about for you? Do you what are yeah. some of the earliest memories you have? Um, well, for me, I was younger than nine. Also, I think I was probably about maybe six or seven when my dad purchased an Atari 2600 and brought it into our house. And you're right. I think in that era, 
having something that was interactive with the TV felt so unique because we were all accustomed to consuming media, but watching TV, it being a one directional thing. But then the idea that you could affect what's happening on the screen, uh, that would seem novel. And um, for me though, it was also uh, the joy of uh, doing that new activity with the family because my dad would play the games with us and my sister would play. My mom did a little bit, but uh, it was more um, my dad and my sister. And so it was this idea of something new and different and enjoying it with family. In fact, um, one of the games that I would play with my dad is this one that I brought here to show. Um, it was called Joust. And yeah. <laughs> the idea of Joust is that uh, you have two players riding around on ostriches and mm-hmm. they're battling with other um, enemies that are riding ostriches. And then when, when you would bump into an enemy, um, they would turn into an egg and you had to collect the egg before it hatched again into a more powerful enemy. And my dad would play this with me a lot. And so for me, there are such deep, uh, enjoying, uh, filled memories with my dad from that. And so that game will always be special to me. Um, but, but I think then, um, you know, as I, I got into playing the games a little bit more, I noticed that school kids would be talking about it on the playground. And in those days we didn't have the internet. So if you wanted to figure out how to get past a certain difficult place in a game, you know, people would be sharing, sometimes they draw little maps on their uh, binder paper or their paper out of their notebooks, or we would be trading secrets. And sometimes you get bad information. <laughs> you go to, to do what they said and wait, that what that doesn't work. <laughs> or sometimes you would, somebody would tell you something that would really help you get to the next area. But it was that sense of like excitement. And, and that especially came with the the launch of the Nintendo. I felt like that's really when those types of games that were more complex, where you had maps and deeper stories started to emerge. And so I have here uh, for those who are watching <laughs> on YouTube, a little replica of the original oh, NES. Yeah. Uh, these came out uh, a few years back. Nintendo reproduced what they called the NES mini, and it was preloaded with a bunch of, of 20 of their best games, or maybe it was 30. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was 30, but uh, uh Anyway, um, we got an NES probably when I was about your age, Barney, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and the, oh, yeah. the imagination that the creators had in putting the world together and how it drew us in. And by that point, my dad wasn't playing as much. It was more my sister and me. And um, so, uh, yeah, there's something unique. I, I think you could plug in anything into this. It wouldn't have to be gaming, but it's something that you found that that draws your attention, that engages your imagination, and you can do it with other people. And for me, yeah. it's that that social dimension that I always loved um, about gaming, either doing it with family um, or doing it with friends. I had um, a good friend in elementary school named Joseph Capizuto, and we would play Mega Man together. And so oh, I remember nice. going over to his house and I had Mega Man 2, which is this oh, yeah. cartridge I'm holding up here, but Joseph had Mega Man 3. And so, <laughs> you know, when I go to his house, I wanted to play Mega Man 3 oh, and he yeah. wanted to play Mega Man 2 and we would <laughs> swap, you know, stories and uh, <laughs> strategies. And so he was better at three and I was better at two. And it was just kind of a fun thing that we shared. So, um, so I think for me, gaming is tied in with, in a deep way, with nostalgia, with a sense of mm-hmm. ch- childhood, um, with a sense of relationship with, with mm-hmm. people. And then um, actually, 
when I think about it on a deeper level, uh, I think that play is, is an important part of, um, healthy human life. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that gaming at its best can help us enter that space of relaxation and play and enjoyment with others that can be healthy. Um, of course, gaming, like any hobby has its, its negative side if we overdo it or if it becomes too much of a focus, but one kept in balance with, with work mm. and with, you know, the, the rhythm of, of, uh, family life and of, of faith and other things, um, when it's kept in balance, it can be a wonderful expression of that sense of play and enjoyment. Um, so yeah. Um, may I share one other thing here before oh, yeah. I transition back to you, uh-huh. uh, during the beginning of the pandemic, um, I, uh, started a show on, yeah. on through Facebook. And here's the little paper <laughs> for that show. I did it with, with awesome. um, my son, Micah and my daughter, Aubrey and our youngest Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Katie at times, but it was called <laughs> gaming with family. And the idea oh, yeah. was that um, every episode we would introduce our kids to a different retro video game and get the mm-hmm. reactions. And they had never played many of these before. And so it's like, basically throw them in to the gameplay, see what they like ask them, what didn't you like? What are your impressions? So they played like Pac-Man and uh-huh. Sonic the Hedgehog and um, <laughs> Mega Man and Mario and all these classic games. Um, but it was, we had such a fun time because um, yeah, games are different today than they were then, but there's still elements that they enjoyed in the art style, the pixel art style they thought was interesting. And um, so doing things once again uh, with family and, and bringing them into the experience is so meaningful to me. And during the pandemic, it was a nice way for us to create something. So, yeah. Um, so I want to turn it over to you. Do you have any memories or thoughts about uh, gaming with friends or mm. family? Mm. And if so, mm-hmm. could you share a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to to just add a little bit more of, of your point about how important it is play to play. Um, um, I'm not sure how scholarly to be here, but um, <laughs> of, of all the things that I read about learning language, um, everyone, everyone cites the work by, um, I can't pronounce it, Zygovsky, I think. And he says how it's so important that we learn through play more than anything else. And, um, and yeah, it's true. And not just learning, you know, like, um, manipulating or, um, you know, skills or, or language or things like that. But yeah, um, cultural learning. And, um, and yeah, you mean a wonderful point about how, how it may be even important it is to share these things with our friends and, and family when we can. Um, my, my brothers and I played a whole bunch, um, together and, um, and about skill. Um, I remember my mom, saying a long time ago when she was um, working at the hospital um, that doctors were saying, you know, these kids with their games, they have such good hand-eye coordination. They could be really good surgeons, you know, because a surgeon has to look at the screen mm-hmm. and manipulate the tools in certain surgeons. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this through, through games, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we're not looking at the controller while we play. Oh, Although, so- yeah. Oh, it's so interesting that you bring up the uh, relationship between gaming and medical treatment. Uh, I had heard on several occasions um, 
uh, interviews and um, uh, information about how Tetris has been used oh, yeah. for trauma victims. Uh, there's mm-hmm. something about um, working the Tetris puzzle that is um, uh, stimulating in a helpful way to uh, the brain of a person recovering from a traumatic injury or um, a really difficult experience that that helps relax the brain and it helps bring some sense of calmness. And so Tetris in particular has been cited as they've done some studies uh, on seeing how it helps uh, essentially in the therapeutic process to have some uh, tool or vehicle like that when you're in your downtime to, to, to bring extra calmness to the brain to work the puzzles. And, and that, that actually makes me think of one other aspect of, of gaming. Um, and that's the music that we have that goes with games. Um, I always really loved the music that went with Tetris. Oh, um, yes. I, all, all three of, I think there were three choices, right? Yes. And, and depending on my mood, I would choose, you know, between one of those, but there's the, the music that goes with the games, it adds so much more. And, and I think it really sticks with us, doesn't it? And, oh, for sure. um, you know, and then it wasn't too long ago that, um, people started to what make orchestral versions yes. of, of, of gaming songs, of songs from games. And boy, those are just so wonderful to listen to as well. That, that extra, um, level to this. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. And it's interesting. We were talking about Tetris specifically, there was a recent release of a version of Tetris called Tetris effect, where they actually commissioned uh, a number of musicians to specifically write music that could go with um, the Tetris game. And then um, they had hired visual artists to create these kind of like, I guess you'd say immersive experiences where you're, as you're working the puzzle, it, uh, it alters the, uh, the rhythms and the music, and it also alters the visual effects on the screen. And so it's all integrated. And um, it was a really um, popular title that came out. And they also made a version for VR, virtual reality. Oh, yeah. But um, I played it on a, a few systems. And it's really interesting. Music incredibly enhances your, your experience. And when it's interactive, that's, that's a very special too. So, um, but you're right. It's interesting how music has developed over time and, and and the graphics and the art, and, um, you can hear, um, orchestra instrumentation in, um, modern games. Like Mm -hmm. I know it's not uncommon now, and that's, that's also beautiful. That's kind of Mm -hmm. elevated the, the level of the art form. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I just thinking about another thing you said and, and asking me about um, memories that I had. Um, uh, my, my dad, he um, he's colorblind. And so he always lamented that he, he had trouble following a lot of the games um, because he couldn't quite see all of the details um, because of he couldn't see all of the full range of colors. Um, but even so, and even though he and I just rarely played together because of that, um, I just have this great memory of how he often on the way home from work would, you know, stop by the rental store and, and he knew that I would really like this and, and just picked up a different title or something and bring it home. And I was just always so excited to see what he would pick. And, and I would just so eagerly, um, you know, before I started the game, you know, before I did anything, I would pull out the instruction manual and, you know, 
read through it and like look and see what's what's coming up and whatever am I supposed to do and try to you know mentally think okay you know I need to focus on the you know I've got to make sure that I got the B button right or the A button right you know and things like that and this does this and this does this and and then play the game and um it was such such a neat idea that we could rent games as well oh you know with 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 computer games, maybe maybe it was possible to borrow them from the library, but basically with computer games, it was an investment that you had to make. Yes. Um, if you wanted to try something. But uh, being able to rent games was just so neat. And in some games you thought, oh, I'm glad I didn't buy this. And some games you think, sure. wow, I really like this. I think I will buy this. And um, yeah, it was just such another neat aspect of, um, you know, like you said before with the TV, the only thing we did was stand up and change the channel, you know, because we didn't have a remote. And now finally we can do something with the TV and, and affect what's happening. And and now here's another way to to experience, you know, other genres or other stories that that um, might be interesting to us or, or might not. Yes, I, I agree 100 percent. There are a few things that you said that I would love to explore more. And one of those is your dad's participation in your hobby he knew that you appreciated it and it was a way for him to bless you to bring home these rental games. And so actually the fact that that was an option gave him a vehicle or a way to uh, do something that meant a lot to you. And I think that's a really wonderful thing about hobbies. Uh, just as a side note, our youngest Hannah has started collecting Pokemon cards and Typically on Fridays, we'll go to the local store here in Worcester called Operation Fandom, and we'll get her some more Pokemon cards and little Pokemon figures. And it's so nice to have something to be able to offer her that she enjoys and to participate in that some with her, even if it's just in, in helping her get to the store and find the thing and, um, and um, help her but sometimes put her cards in the sleeves if, if one of them stuck or something. But, um, but it's beautiful that um, there are things like that that parents can can enjoy with their children and, and provide. And then the other thing you mentioned, too, is about genres and stories. And I think um, as a media, as a form of media, games have a very interesting way of presenting story because it is, in some cases, like a choose-your-own-adventure. There's so many branching pathways you can take. And so I think in the NES era, that's when games started to introduce cutscenes and things um, in between, you know, boards. Um, but then it's since then it's just continued to grow. And so the role of story in, in games can be very uh, multi-layered and, and, and rich and interesting. Um, so that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit too about our time together mm -hmm. when we, uh, I was visiting you in 2019 in Japan mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it was such a tremendous joy to go and be with you. And I was even saying before our podcast today, I still am overwhelmed with gratitude when I look back at the pictures of what an adventure it was and what a blessing it was to be there with you and uh, to meet um, the other brothers and sisters at our sister church and oh, yeah. also to uh, do some daily uh, excursions and unique trips. And But one of the ones I was hoping to highlight was our trip to Akihabara. Uh, which for our listeners, many of you may not have heard of this, but it's a, 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 a part of Tokyo where historically uh, technology and video games are very prevalent and, and um, 
something that is very widespread and available there to purchase and um, culturally to enjoy. And so we went to Akihabara and I want to share a few pictures for those who, who are watching um, on YouTube. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and skip ahead. I had a few pictures here to share before. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead to where we were for Akihabara. So this is us just outside the station for Akihabara. And it was a such a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. And um, we, I told Barney, there were, there was one place I really wanted to go in particular. It was a video game store that is legendary for retro video game collectors as having been established for many years and having a huge inventory of retro gaming uh, supplies. And that was uh, this store called uh, Super Potato. (laughs) (laughs) And so we found it. It took us a little while, but we did Mm. find it. But Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about Super Potato is the levels of the store, as you progress upward, if I'm remembering it correctly, it goes Mm -hmm. from older to newer. Is that is that what uh, you yeah, remember? I think so so mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. um it's like kind of like a time machine. Like <laughs> as you go up the, <laughs> the floors, you're going through the areas and then you're leaping ahead up, upward and onward um, from the early days of the Atari 2600 era and in, in, in the early 80s, um, all the way through the NES and the late 80s and, and early 90s to the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis mm-hmm, of the mid 90s, mm-hmm. all the way up to the modern things um, through PlayStation and Xbox. But then at the top level, uh, there's an arcade. So um, that's kind of an interesting choice. So people want to play games after they've shopped and, you know, they can. So, but when we went in there, um, you know, a a lot of the game cartridges are the Japanese versions. And so Mm -hmm. Barney helped me because a number of the cartridges would have different titles, but I was able to find my favorite NES game, Mega Man 2 in, in, the Japanese version is Rockman, and so yeah. here's a picture and uh, Super Potato with that Rockman cartridge. Thank you again, Barney, for helping me find that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering, when we went in there, did you have any thoughts uh, of that place? Um, what were your impressions? Yeah, I I never really considered. I'd never considered um, what what a what a big. Um, or maybe what an extensive hobby it can be um, thinking about retro games and things like that. Um, I I never really thought about it in that way. I think I was always kind of looking forward, not looking forward, but kind of thinking about what will the next system be or this or that. And um, later my friends uh, showed me a way that I could, I could play um, on my computer, older games. Um, And, and that felt, satisfactory in a way and and i i didn't do it so often um but then you showed me this this really extra level to what it is and and how it really does have some meaning to uh, you know real sincere meaning behind it and um then um i i started to you know other titles started to catch my eye and then i said oh yeah that one Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> and um it's I I wonder if um uh, being in America and then coming to Japan, you know, where kind of it all got started in a way and seeing the same same games but you know with different titles or or different art. 
um, even different shapes to the cartridges. Um, if that maybe just adds a whole new level to, to what makes this so special. I think you're right. I, I think there is something about, uh, seeing something, you know, in a different form, um, and, uh, seeing a whole other culture around it that you kind of discover because, um, it seems like the type of retro collecting in Japan is so fascinating because the art on the box is often different. The shape of the cartridge is different. And for NES cartridges, they were all for the most part, a standardized gray. Um, oh, there were a few yeah. exceptions like the legend of Zelda cartridges were mm -hmm. gold, but, mm -hmm. uh, but in the, in the, the Japanese equivalents for the, for the Famicom each, almost every single cartridge is a different color. And so yeah. it's really fun to see, Oh, um, Mega Man two is red and, um, you know, uh, Mega Man three is green or <laughs> just the, <laughs> the variety of, you know, um, how that, um, is a different experience. Uh, one little side note, when I was, uh, there, I was mm -hmm. looking for a particular game. I yeah. really wanted to find this, um, Mega Man cartridge that came out for Sega Genesis in Japan, but never in North America. Mm -hmm. It was never released as a physical game. It was actually released on a, if you can believe it or not, a subscription service that was delivered through like a cable modem back yeah. in the nineties. And so it was like the very early form of online gaming. People could download the title onto their, their special um, Genesis, and then they could play it that way. But then when your subscription was up or you turned off your oh. connection, you couldn't play it. But anyway, I was trying to find the Japanese version, but it's it's somewhat rare. It's called mm. Mega Man, the Wily Wars. Well, it just so happened this past year, they, in North America, re-released it, 8-bit, um, 8-bit um, do, wait, no, is that the name of the company? Retrobit is what it's called, mm. um, licensed with Capcom to re-release a physical version of the game. And so even though I wasn't able to get it in Japan, I got it here in North wow. America finally. So here's the special collector's edition. Um, it, it comes with this, these different lenticular inserts <laughs> you oh. can put in the front. So you have, oh. and they kind of have a holographic effect yeah, as yeah. you turn them, you know, so that's Proto Man, uh, Mega Man's kind of brother, so to speak. Uh -huh, and then uh -huh. this is Mega Man. I don't know if you can see the effect. Yeah. Um, and then it has some of the enemies from the first one, like Electric Man. You see his little motion. Yeah. And uh, Cuts oh, Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then it has an enemy from Mega oh, Man 2, yeah. as well known Metal Man. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it's amazing the the attention to detail that they have in this in this um, reproduction. They they have a inside the cartridge let me pull it out here inside the case uh -huh. um they have the like the original art from the um north american version you can flip it around for the japanese version oh, wow. but they have like a like a certificate of authenticity <laughs> so mine is uh is number 17,648 <laughs> out of, uh, Ooh, out of, of uh, 20,000, out of 20,000. So you there just you barely go. got in there. <laughs> and then the cartridge itself is, is real. They did such a good job with this. Um, the cartridge itself is like this really neat, um, blue, oh. like a Mega Man blue. And it has, oh, yeah. it has sparkles in it. And, 
Uh, so yeah, just kind of, I don't have any other collector's editions like this, but since I wanted this game for so long, um, oh, I thought yeah. I'm going to splurge and um, I finally have it. Um, and it comes with this full color instruction booklet and stickers <laughs> and a poster. So <laughs> I was like a, a child on Christmas again when it came in. The oh, man. <laughs> but um, it's, um, it's so fun to to have a hobby that you're, you're into. And mm -hmm. every once in a while, mm -hmm. when something comes along, it's just perfectly aligned with, with uh, what you're looking for. So. Oh man. <laughs> and it, and it's so neat how, um, how, you know, games in the past, sometimes they, sometimes they would come with posters and sometimes they would come with maps and um, sometimes they would come, they would just come with like spiral bound um, instruction manuals. You know, they put a lot of detail and a lot of work and a lot of thought into what they're giving to the customers yes. sometimes. Yes. And it just it it was one more thing that that added to the experience. And that's so true. And it, it's really fascinating to think about the era that we're in now where digital media is so prevalent. Uh, we're mm -hmm. used to streaming and um with our with our consumption of of TV shows and movies. And really game streaming is starting to become prevalent with mm -hmm. Xbox Game Pass and uh, PlayStation Now and um, other streaming services. Uh, and the physical media aspect of mm -hmm. gaming is becoming less and less common. And so a lot of times now it's just more convenient to purchase a game digitally and it downloads to your, your console. Like um, I have here one modern console that can do that, like the Nintendo Switch. Oh, you know, yeah. you just you just download the the game, and it's um it's very convenient. But there's some aspect of it that's lost with the art, the way yeah. it's packaged, and um so I think for retro gaming collectors, they're still um, prevalent enough in the gaming community that that companies continue to produce for a lot of their titles physical editions oh, to, to right. satiate this audience. You know, because they're mm -hmm. still still some out there who just love to pick up the physical. And so I will do that sometimes uh, for a number mm -hmm. of new games. I still get physical, but I have to admit, I'm doing more and more digital purchasing over, over these um, more recent times. So mm -hmm. <laughs> just kind of interesting how things change. And um, yeah. it's probably that way across the board for many different collectibles, you know, it's a lot of digital things now, but um, yeah, there's something to collecting physical items. That's unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, actually, I I have some things here that maybe you would Please. enjoy sharing yes. if I could share. Yes. Um, the first one is not being actually the the um the Tokyo Game Show actually um takes place in Chiba, oh. <laughs> so it's not so far for me. And my friend and I used to go every year, and um we would the the lines for playing new games could be two hours long. Wow. And so we, we, I think of, of all the years we went there, we lined up to play a game maybe just once. Um, every other time we were there for the things that we could kind of get. And um, this is one of the things that I really like. Ooh, wow. um, it's actually metal on, on the side there. You can hear it clanging oh, here. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and it unzips and you can, um, it's a little pouch. You know that from that. I, what's the game called? I can't remember. With the drums that you play, is is it? Um, oh, um, what is, it's not Pushmo, is it? 
uh, is it Zoom Zoom? Um, what is that one? Maybe. Um, I just realized that for the people on the podcast, they're, they're not going to know what we're talking about. It's um, the game. It's usually in arcades, I guess, where ah, um, okay. you have two drumsticks and it's like you're playing um, um, koto, uh, um, kind of a, um, traditional Japanese drums. And um, right. And it has the orange side, which you hit on the beat and um, the blue side that you hit on the side on the offbeat. Ah. And um, I, I, I always really liked this game. And um, I was really happy when, when I saw that this was one of the things that we could get. And um, another one, I'll share my screen. Um, this also is something that I got at Tokyo Game Show. And I was very fortunate to get it because the thing that I was um, supposed to receive after kind of completing, you know, playing so many of this is or, um, you know, going to this many booths, um, they were out of it. And so we went to the information area and, and we said, well, you know, I filled out this card and, you know, what can I get? And they're like, well, we have this. And when I saw it, I said, yes, give me that. I'll take that. And this was it. Oh, Barney. Oh, that is amazing. So I love that. It's a t-shirt. This is the front. It's a t-shirt and it says on it, um, Rockman 20th anniversary. And, you know, if you got um, Mega Man there on the front, you know, shooting his blaster and then down at the bottom getting zapped. Then on the back of the t-shirt, it looks like this. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So all it's a collection. <laughs> yes, exactly. The of, of all the different. Yes bosses that they had because i also really enjoyed mega man growing up it was really one of my favorites and what it looks like they've got 35 different guys on here wow oh that's incredible yeah i didn't know i i also i really liked metal man and and woodman those were some of the ones that i really liked it it took me a long time and i'm curious to hear about in your case but it took me a long time to realize um that like each boss kind of had like a, a counter, a, a, like a counterpart, like a, um, like a, a, a converse to it. So yes. like, you know, one boss was weak against another one. Yes. Um, you know, cause once you defeat a boss in Mega Man, then you, you can use their, their special power. And I, it took me a while to realize, oh, if I use this on, you know, this power against this boss, I can defeat him very quickly. Right, but if if I use the same power against a different boss, that boss maybe has um, like a resistance to it or something, and it would be uh, would be a good idea to, to try it that way. Um, did did you was that one of the things that um, like talking with friends? Or yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. because part of the puzzle was what order do you go in when you try to battle mm-hmm. with the robot masters? You know, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Um, and you try to find the one that was most susceptible to your regular. Uh, Mega Man power shot, and then mm-hmm. you go with that one first, and then find out um, what his his own power is most effective against. So I remember talking with friends, and some of us uh-huh. did different orders. We had different strategies. Oh. Um, what was hard though is if you had a robot master that was um, he was weak against a certain weapon, but even with that weapon, he was still hard. Still too hard. <laughs> yeah. I remember um, <laughs> there was this one boss on Mega Man Three Shadow Man who threw these like giant stars. These yes. um, kind of um, throwing mm-hmm. stars and you had to use top man's power on ah. him, which uh, was an interesting power. You jump and you'd spin in the air. Yeah. But the problem with 
is it's a close range attack. Yeah. And so, and he's very fast and he's throwing his thing from far away. So you have to get real close to him and quickly yeah. do the top yeah. man attack and the right and the right rhythm and, and timing <laughs> and hope that you can do it three times you know, <laughs> I, before he gets you. <laughs> but no, I, I think that was part of the, the, um, interesting and um, helpful way the game was designed. It drew people in because they tried to work this puzzle. Who, which order do I go in? And, mm-hmm. and it was neat to, after you defeated an enemy to be able to use their power. That was kind of oh, yeah. another novel thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love your items that you shared. Thank you. Yeah, Those were really you. fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Very cool. Yeah. I just wanted to say, um, you know, like, I think um, maybe, maybe as a final thought, Thankfully, as we've kind of uh, talked about it more and more, um, and and about the different aspects of gaming and beyond, just one on one with you in the TV screen, um, you, you know, this is something that I think that that Jacob and I, of course, enjoy, and we enjoy it for the stories and the music and doing it with friends and um, the creativity that it that it allows us. Um, you know, like we were saying, you know, you don't have to go A, B, C, D. You can skip around. You can come up with your own idea and and solve the puzzle in your own way. Um, but but exactly, it's it's the balance that that this offers us. It's something that we have, you know, in our in our free time here or there, and um, and and of course the nostalgia um, from from attached to it from when we were little and. Um, yeah, it's just something great about games and um, sharing them, of course, with people and and of course um, having having the balance of of playing these um, as as a part of our life. That's just one one extra colorful, you know, square to what it is that makes us who we are. I think that's so true, and I feel like that is one of the great. Um, challenges for anything that we enjoy and plug into is how do we reach that place of enjoyment that really uh, uh, is satisfying, but also um, doesn't uh, obscure or overwhelm uh, other parts of our lives. And I, I miss this (laughs) at times for sure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I overdo Mm -hmm. it. And um, in fact, um, right now in the in the church year in the Christian rhythm of of worship, uh, we're entering the season oh. called Lent. You know, for those of, of our listeners who maybe are not familiar, it's a time of of reflection, of introspection, of of saying, um, you know, how is my life filled right now? What what am I prioritizing, and how can I make a little bit more space to um, encounter God and have a healthier life rhythm. And so I'm realizing as I'm going into Lent that, um, boy, I, I, I have some things that I need to, that are out of balance that I need to work on. And so, you know, gaming is part of that, just trying to find, okay, a a right level of enjoyment, but not, um, letting it go unchecked as something I'm doing in all my free time. And, um, and so trying to find that that healthy balance is so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm grateful that the gaming is there or that other hobbies are there. Um, but it's also um, a, a good reminder to say, Oh, and in addition to that enjoyment of them, how can I integrate them into a, uh, a balanced life? And so that's always mm-hmm. a, a good thing to work at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope that you, our listeners 
have uh, hobbies that you enjoy too, that you've experienced the many of the things that we have, a connection with other people through them, uh, a sense of, of adventure, of imagination, of play as you've engaged with them, and uh, a sense of satisfaction as you over the years have, have looked back and thought about what you've done in the past and what you do now. Um, but also we hope too that you have, uh, you have found that right balance in your life for how the hobby contributes and adds to and complements other things in your life and doesn't overwhelm or obscure them. And so um, we're so grateful that you were with us today. Hopefully in the future, we'll do some more episodes that touch on this topic or other examples of our passions and hobbies. But uh, until then, thank you again for being here and for listening. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>